Yo, Pod! This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb! Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. And continuing to be the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I also continue to be Greg Brempe, your program host. Happy to have you aboard here for your live fire fun and frivolity show. If you see fit to join in tonight, give me your hot item take. Here's your contact info. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. It's the second Tuesday of a brand new month and a brand new year. And that, of course, means a visit from none other than the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, joins us for the first time this year. So we're starting the new year off right. We are going to be talking about something that two weeks ago, I don't know if anybody even gave any consideration to, but as the teeth of this week took hold, oh, yes, it's winter, it's cold. Currently in Cleveland, it's 18 balmy ambient temperature degrees outside. So what should we be talking about with Meathead? We should be talking about cold weather grilling tips. Did you forget about those things that you should be practicing, tips that you should be implementing? And there are a few key items that whenever I am asked about this subject, I always make sure that I bring up because they might not be on the top of your mind. And one of those items, if not taken into account in the cold and the extreme cold, will leave you screwed is the best way to say it. And we'll leave it at that. So that's what we'll be talking about with Meathead this evening. Also, if time allows, we might be talking about a little on this whole potential revolution of the grilling scene and grilling appliances that may be coming out of the gas variety. And we'll see how the cold weather talk goes. And then we might meander a little bit into a potential whole new landscape or as the little mermaid said a whole new world for you and me as it relates to grilling and how you might be doing that going forward or at least have an option to do that going forward so 
We'll see how it goes. Then 35 past the hour. He is a brand new recurring guest here in 2022. He is a doctor, and we call him Robert Moss. Barbecue contributing editor to Southern Living Magazine. Of course, you can find him and writing at his website, Robert F., as in Frank, robertfmoss.com. He has the Q sheet. You can subscribe to that. Comes out a few times a month, typically on the weekend. So if you're not doing anything, you're getting ready for playoff football in advance. You can see what's happening in the world of live fire with the Q sheet. Robert has agreed to come on at 35 past the first hour in 2022, and we'll talk about things that he's writing about. We'll also grab some hot topics and go back and forth with those. Robert always well-researched and has a bunch of good things going on all the time, so great addition as far as the recurring guests are concerned. Then we will move to the second hour. While I didn't think that it would happen, the majority of me, the majority of me, the majority of me, thought that this wasn't going to happen this year. However, I'm wrong, and as we will find out at 14 past the second hour, through the help of first-timer to the show, Jessica Fland, the Smithfield Grant Program 2022 version will be exclusively announced on the show. I'm to understand that there could be gusts of up to 24 different contests scattered throughout the country that will be getting the Smithfield grant, but we'll see what that final number ends up being here this evening as Jessica joins us for the first time. We've gone through a, not a huge number, but a number of folks from Smithfield, so a brand new one that we'll get to learn about on top of learning about if there will be also a corresponding committed cooks program and who those lucky recipients of the Smithfield grant will be here in 2022, so if you are a promoter or a contest putter honor and you applied for this, you might want to tune in in about an hour from now or an hour and 10 minutes from now when Jessica joins the show for the first time and we talk about who gets a Smithfield grant. And as far as what's left after that, it's the ever-popular open segment, your chance to win fun and frivolous prizes. Do you remember a year ago, can you remember this, when it was my mission over the course of a month or two to get through this reference material, the reference material on processing, cooking, and buying horse meat for human consumption? A year has elapsed, if you can believe it. We didn't even get through all of the 16 and one-half pages of this whole thing, if you can believe it. I thought for sure we would just boogie right through it by mid-February at the latest. But no, we couldn't even get through it over the course of 2021. That's how busy the show is. So, maybe we'll get to some of that. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll use Clubhouse. Maybe we won't. But I have stuff to give away if we make it that far. So we'll see what happens. That's what's happening. Meathead Robert Moss, first hour. Jessica Eflan from Smithfield, associate brand manager. And we'll be talking about the Smithfield Grant Program. Open all after that. Do you follow me socially? You should. At Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. At BBQ Central Shows, the handle there for live video feeds of the show. You can go to Facebook and Twitch, both slash BBQ Central Show. Also, one on YouTube, slash RD Rempe. And as I just mentioned, 
There is live audio in the Clubhouse app, which I didn't turn on. I should have a thing, right? I have a room. Yeah, there we go. All right. Now we've started the room. Now you can get live audio on Clubhouse. I had it launched. I just, for some reason, didn't have it ready to start when I should have had it started. But now it is. So there you go. That's how we'll take calls. That's how we'll take questions right there on Clubhouse if you want to use it. If not, just listen all the other 748 ways that you can. Two general items as far as show feedback is concerned last week, and I have a couple others from a couple weeks ago that I'll try and get to as well. I got a lot of emails and messages about Phyllis Strauder's appearance. Many of you loved the branding conversation. Some of you thought she was a bit harsh on the evaluation specifically of my Instagram account. Others of you loved her raw and honest evaluation. Look, I took zero offense to her feedback. It wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. It wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. But the bottom line is this. I asked for the feedback in the first place, so all good here. And if you're interested in getting in touch with the self-proclaimed ghetto country brand mother to help you define your brand a bit more, hit her website and... Tell her that the show sent you. CKOcreator.com is the website, I believe. Going off of memory. CKOcreator.com. And if you do it, if you get in touch with Phyllis, you take her master class or she takes you through some other type of branding classes, you get through all of it, let me know that you're done and you have a review. I'll have you on the show. We'll do it. We'll do a review of CKO Creator and see what it's all about. Also. I got a lot of this email last week, but I get this one a lot each month, and it sounds something along these lines. Greg, one of my favorite segments is with you and Sam the Cooking Guy. How unreasonable is it to think that you two should be putting some kind of podcast out talking about cooking and social commentary? I think it would be great. I Conceptually, it sounds like it would be dynamite but I have a day job I have this Sam is easily 16 to 27 more times busier than me there's a lot of things that he does outside of just the YouTube so while I don't disagree that it could be magic I think there's the the biggest issue would be time more than anything else because the chemistry is there. It's undeniable. We're in love. All right, let me talk to you quickly about David McDowell and the Do Wellness slash David Leans. Did you know that people that set a goal four to six weeks before they start getting it on are three to ten times, yes, ten times more likely to achieve their fitness goal? Be honest. How long have you been wanting to lose a few pounds? How long has that been on the to-do list? If you listen to the show, you do it because you love barbecue. And a lot of us make habits of getting second, third, and fourth servings of barbecue because it's delicious. But what effect has that had on our activity level that isn't what it used to be? Maybe you think that having a dad bod is cool, but take it from a stud like me. It's not. 
There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go, not to mention being overweight increases the risk factor for all causes of mortality, including strokes, most cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep apnea, and the list goes on. Luckily, thanks to my pal and friend of show, barbecue enthusiast and men's health and wellness coach and expert David McDowell, you can now eat barbecue all year round and still lose the fat Fat. with David. You got assistance around the clock. He's just a text message, an iMessage, or a WhatsApp message, or an email away. He's also available for FaceTime, Zoom, a WhatsApp video chat, whatever you need, even on short notice. Some coaches charging upwards of 500 a month for a canned diet plan and one to two check-ins a month. Forget that. Partnering with David allows you access to a resource who's available effectively 24-7. Things have gone so well here over the last three, four weeks. He's extending it out, the promo. $2,300 in total for the year. Not $500, not $400, not $300. You can do the math. Don't wait. Get on it now. Hit the website, David Leans, L-E-A-N-S, davidleans.com slash barbecue to sign up. That's davidleans.com slash BBQ, davidleans.com slash BBQ, $2,300 in total to get your coaching to help you lose the fat. Fat! Meathead is ready to rock and roll. And we'll be back right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Oh, you know what that sound is. That's right. Heading to the hotline, we are welcoming in none other than the creator of the AmazingRibs.com website, Meathead. Hey, Meathead. What's happening? How are you, Greg? And hello, Centralites. How is everybody in 2022, the year in which it ends? What ends? Oh, God, I hope it's the virus. Oh, yes, let's hope. You... You and me both. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I mean, my favorite things in life are dining out, going to theater, and traveling. And uh, there's been damn little of that in the past two years. What have you found to fill time? I work. You know, um, there's this great myth about the entrepreneur. And I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners are entrepreneurs and self-employed and business owners. But... uh, you know, when you start a business, especially if it's in your home, 
it never leaves you alone. I work seven days a week, and I have for more than 40 years, and I'll tell you, it's getting old. I mean, I do love what I'm doing, but, uh, you know, you watch Shark Tank, and you see these guys, and you you, you want to say to them, you got a nine-to-five job. You got health care. You got a mortgage, and you're paying it off. Stick with it. Don't start your own business. Uh, Doesn't that kill the American spirit? Isn't that what makes business well, is, and the, the 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 definition of entrepreneurship is doing it, it is. on your own and thinking of something and bringing it to market and being a success? By the way, if I can be completely hypocritical because I love to live in hypocrisy, I agree with you. Stay with your 9 to 5 and shut up. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's a great deal. I, I, I love the fact that I own my own business. I come to work when I want. I go home when I want. It's seven days a week. It never bothers me. It, it, you know, there were days when all my people got paid before me, you know. That's breaking rule number one. If you listen to the guys on Shark Tank, uh, you talk to any entre- any business advisor, pay yourself. Pay yourself first. Um, uh, don't quit your day jobs. Uh, but uh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, especially now in COVID. I mean, you know, it's perfect for me. I just yeah. plug away. But business, you know, uh, we, we are very, very close to a new uh, book contract. Um, and it's a, 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 a really good deal. I'm very happy about it. Uh, uh, I have just uh, finished. Uh, we, we've been publishing quietly on the side over the past year little ebooks and they're not so little actually i've done five of them now one on ribs one on chicken one on um, sous vide q one on steak um and one on turkey and i'm finishing off brisket now Hmm. and they just contain everything i know about ribs and brisket and turkey and stuff and they're ebooks and they um are 3.99 a piece and they sell on amazon and elsewhere um, but they're free to the members of our Pitmaster Club now. We've uh, used to be a flipbook format, but you can now download them as PDFs, and they're really good. And I, I just revised them all in December. I completely rewrote them from top to bottom, and I'm real proud of them. They're pretty decent, and for three ninety nine, they're a good deal. All right, so be on the lookout for those eBooks if you're on Amazon or if you're a Pitmaster's Club member. You probably already know about those, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Uh, I guess as you get, if you more, want to know more, yeah, they're called deep dives, and we created a URL for them. Just go to deepdive.guide, deepdive.guide, and it'll take you to our website with a description of them all. As you get more information and details that you can share about the book, please fish them out to us so we can track this. Yeah, I am yeah. of course incredibly interested to see how that tracks, and uh, I I remember some guy named Meathead who told me, if I ever attempt to write a second book, just drag me out in the back and shoot me. So I'm not going to shoot you, but I will remind you that you said that, amongst many other things. But we'll see yeah, how I this am one Mr. Goes. Negativity, aren't I, you know? Well, uh, for I a guy you, who loves his work. I don't think you were being uh, you negative know? at all, Meathead. Here's what I think. This was Meathead being at his most honest. You wrote a book. Yeah. It went over like gangbusters. It was a bestseller. It's one of the of uh, copies. the reference uh, material, top ten reference material of all time for barbecue or whatever. So I mean, it received all these great accolades. And what that signals to me is, you were able to accomplish a project, and yeah. you weren't overly passionate about being an author. Not that you weren't passionate about getting the information out to the public, which you were. 
but you also have to have some kind of a passion to be a book writer, like Stephen Reichlin likes to write. That's you the- know, there's a theme here, Greg. You, you've just opened my eyes to the theme. Of course I did. And that is, I hate work. <laughs> yes, who doesn't? Join the club. I, 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 lo- I love my job. <laughs> you know, people often ask me, you know, do you play video games? What's your favorite video game? I don't play video games. I don't have to climb the brick wall and put out the fire and slay the dragon and capture the beautiful damsel in distress. I have to deal with copyright violations, employees who are asleep on the job, broken links. Uh, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a nonstop everyday challenge. And that is okay. I, I'm, I'm just being cranky today, I guess. I, um, hey, ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking. We're, t- we're going to talk about cold weather grilling. And yes. everything. I am drinking my homemade glug. Wow. This is, um, uh, uh, glug is a Swedish wine and brandy and herb and spice blend. And I've been making it every year for over 40 years. Wow. And each year I improve it slightly. And the recipe is on AmazingRibs.com. It is the most awesome after ski drink. You usually serve it warm with a twist of orange. And um, uh, it's just awesome stuff. It's potent. It's real potent. Hmm. Um, so if I if I start you know stumbling over my words tonight, <laughs> you know why. Do you keep a bottle every year and... Uh, like reserve one yes. to, to see. Yes, it like, ages nicely. Yeah. It's 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 got port and brandy and red wine in it. Oh dear, and it ages very nicely. Hmm. Um, a one year old is good. Two year old is excellent. Oh, so you don't have the original? Like you you do? Let's no. say twelve bottles a year, and you keep one. I wish. Yeah. I wish. All right. Yeah, that'd be interesting. No, I I keep I keep a, a few bottles from every year. I make you know. Uh, this is a this, this is a magnum, you know. This is a big yeah. I can boy. tell. It looks like you're already halfway through it tonight. Well, <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com joining us here on the show, of course. And tonight we're talking about something called cold weather cooking tips. As I'd mentioned in the open a couple weeks ago, even through Christmas, it was 50 degrees out here, 55, maybe even touching 60. Yeah, so yeah. you don't really think about it. But then as the week started here. It was teens at best. It's uh, single to below zero with wind chill here in Cleveland, at least. So that now rings the bell of cold weather cooking. So as you think about that and as people ask you about that every year, what are your top fielded questions and what's your best advice? Well, okay, everybody knows it's cold out there. Um, um, And, of course, that means that the metal on your grill and your smoker are colder. Um, what you may not realize is it also means that in the combustion process, you've got gas or charcoal or, or logs, and they all need oxygen, and the air is colder. So you're going to need more fuel. Mm. Um, you're going to go, so make sure if you're using propane, you've got an extra tank around. Um, if you're going to use charcoal, you make, make sure you got plenty of bags laying around. Plenty of logs, and 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 try to keep your logs dry. Uh, people drape uh, tarps over the top of them. Uh, snow 
Snow, wood doesn't get wet easily. I mean, we've talked about this before. They build boats out of wood because it doesn't absorb a lot of water. But as wood dries out, it will absorb some water. So if you've got a stack of lumber in the yard that you burn, you need to cover it or move it into the garage or someplace. Don't put it in the house because there's, you know, potato bugs and stuff in there and they'll get into the house. But try to keep it dry and warm if you can. And you're going to need more of it. Whatever you need normally, you're going to need more because of the cold air. But the big issue that a lot of people struggle with is uh, rain and wind and snow, um, uh, particularly wind. Wind is, uh, it wicks away the heat that you, you're warming the interior of the grill, but you're also warming the skin of the grill, the metal. And that cold wind that's like convection of an in reverse. Mm. It's a fan that blows away the heat, and that's just going to chew up more charcoal or gas or logs or pellets or whatever you're burning. Um, so you're going to need to dial it up, and you and if you can, you want to try to block that wind. Um, uh, of course, rain and snow are a problem. You want to brush the snow off your machine. Um, if it's raining, you want to try to put a cover over the top. But uh, the wind can be a bitter enemy, truly bitter. Um, and what a lot of I've, people I've seen do, particularly Weber Smoky Mountain people have done this, is they build a, um, a folding box. You get like four sheets of plywood and, with, and you hinge them. And you can just fold them up and put them in the corner of the garage. But you can also open them up and um, enclose the machine with these um, plywood sides which will do a good job of blocking uh, i've seen people build permanent boxes for the for their uh, units um they look like phone booths that's a really good solution um uh, you can use um, um all kinds of you can use insulation uh you can uh, 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 you want to be careful but you can use some welding blankets you want to make sure that it can withstand a warm grill um, and that there's no sparks or anything. Hot water heater insulators can work. You got to research and make sure that they're not going to catch on fire. Reflective foil insulation also can work. Um, but here's a trick that a lot of people don't think of. Put bricks inside your, cool, your cooker. Put bricks in your grill <laughs> or your smoker. What happens is, is those bricks then heat up as the uh, the, the, the grill and smoker preheat and they retain heat. They become a heat sink and they hold heat and they uh, also push out air. They uh, occupy space. They displace oxygen, air. So uh, they can hold heat and they uh, allow less cold air in and loading up your machine. So if you've got yourself an offset smoker and you're cooking on one side, put a stack of bricks on the other side and it takes a while to get them heated up. But now you've got this um, warm brick element in there that helps. Would you put those um, in a, a bullet-style smoker? Yeah, you can. Um, you can you, you've got two shelves in a uh, Smoky Mountain or a bullet-style smoker. So you can put them on the, on the lower shelf if you're cooking on the upper shelf. All right. Or you could put them down where the water pan goes. Water is a nice thing because... A lot of people think that water replenishes the moisture in the meat, but it doesn't do that so much. What water does is is it, 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 the humidity will condense on the meat. Meat is colder than the air inside a smoker, even on a cold day. 
So what happens is, is the moisture will condense on the meat. And, and when it condenses on the meat, then it cools the meat and slows the cook. And slow and slow is the right thing to do for tough cuts of meat. So that is just a form of basting. That's why the Weber Smoky Mountain water pan, people put sand in there a lot. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake. I think you want water in there because it will condense on the meat, cool the meat. It will help keep it moist. Um, but uh, in, in winter, you could, if you needed to, um, put some bricks down in there and maybe put the pan on top of the bricks or something. Um, something else that you need to be conscious of. I've heard people concerned that when it's really cold, the gas won't flow. The propane won't flow into their ga gas grill. Hmm. Don't worry about it. Um, what happens is, is there's liquid inside that tank and it boils. It essentially turns to gas and it boils at minus 44 Fahrenheit. So unless you're outdoor wow. temperature and you're in Alaska or the Arctic or someplace, if it goes down below minus 44, then you got a problem. But it's not going to stop boiling. Your regulator will control it. You don't have to worry about your propane functioning properly. And if you've got a gas line running from the house, then that gas line is warm in the house. And that warm gas is going to push any cold gas through the line. It's nothing to worry about. But you will use more fuel. One important word of caution, don't move a grill indoors. Don't move it. If you have an attached garage, resist the temptation to move a grill into a garage, especially a, a propane or a gas grill. It produces carbon monoxide and that carbon monoxide can find its way into the house, get into your kid's bedroom. You, you just don't want to ever have don't, just leave it outdoors and burn lots of extra fuel. That was my biggest piece of advice when people ask me is just remember that you're going to have to use a bunch more fuel because 225 at 80 degrees overnight in July is different than 225 in your cooker at 18 degrees in mid-December with a brisk wind or even a little bit of wind. I mean, it's just the fire requires more energy to keep it at that set point that you want to than it does in the summer. So you're going to be eating through more fuel. Makes perfect sense. The other thing I always say is uh, don't forget, even when it's cold out, if your grill is running, it's going to be hot. So don't touch the top of the grill like a moron because you think it's 18 degrees outside and the top of the grill isn't going to be hot when it's on because it's still going to be yeah, hot. it's still going to be hot. Yes, of course. I, I've written about this on the website, and I posted some questions on Facebook about how do people fight cold weather and got some great pictures from people showing how they built windbreaks. This is really cool stuff they've done um, on AmazingRibs.com. Um, when we rebuilt the website last spring, um, uh, we moved to WordPress from Drupal. When we did that, the search engine is so much better on our site now. Just go to the search box under the little magnifying glass and type in cold weather or cold weather cooking, and it'll, you'll find it. And there's a good article there with some nice pictures and some of the topics we just covered. Of course, I forgot one important thing, and uh, probably a bunch of people out there are going to start yelling at me. Ceramic cookers. Ceramic cookers. They're your friend. Yeah. Uh, I have some problems with some of the design concepts behind the round ceramic or the egg-shaped ceramic cookers. Uh, because I'm a real devotee of two-zone cooking, and two, it's hard to do two-zone properly on an egg. But this is where they shine. If you're in a cold climate, 
uh, a, a ceramic cooker is your friend because they're like the bricks. They absorb heat, they hold heat, they radiate heat, and they don't. They they, they just laugh at cold weather. All right, go to amazingribs.com, use the search function, cold weather cooking tips, and see what pops up aside from all the items that we've talked about here this evening. For the next two minutes, Meathead, let's pontificate just for a moment on the state of the industry or the potential state of the industry. Charbroil, a couple weeks ago, did a whole big online release. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. crappily done, but whatever. About this uh, thermostatically controlled grill, you and I have talked about it endlessly mm. for as long as we've gotten together. Years. How come you can't have a, 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 a grill outside that operates like a oven, uh, an oven inside? Yes. We've talked yes. about why that may or may not be. But it just never seemed to come to fruition. And now in 2022, this Charbroil Cruise, I believe is the name of it, is going to be perhaps the first one to hit the market that has a thermostatic control on it. I know the manufacturer out of Canada, Winter Products, it is a Charbroil brain, but the manufacturer is out of Canada. And then I'm guessing now that Weber is also going to be releasing something a week from now on the 18th that might be also a thermostatically controlled grill. So Yeah, they're teasing something, and their tease shows a, a temperature. digital yes. temperature yeah. guide there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, because I've, I've been nagging all of these guys. You know, if you want more people to do outdoor cooking, make it as easy as indoor cooking. Do you think if, even if it's just charbroil, but let's add Weber on top a week from tonight. Let's say they bring one to market. Do you think... At that point, this changes the landscape of the industry for grillers going forward? Yes. I think it's a sea change. I think it's massive. I think it's in the same league with pellet grills and pellet smokers. I think that's one of the reasons why Traeger and the pellet smokers have become so popular. They are an oven, really. They're not very good at direct infrared radiant heat cooking like grilling a steak, but they're awesome at roasting and baking and smoking. And um, they're brain dead simple. You can set the temperature, and uh, we've done this. The the the, um, the the fluctuation of temperature is tighter on uh, on a pellet grill than it is on my indoor oven. Um, they're they're and that's why people love them. And they're I mean, we all love the flavor. We all love the romance and the fun of cooking outdoors. But, you know, not everybody wants to sit by the fire, nurture the fire. Um, uh, thank goodness we have digital thermometers now. But, you know, the artisanal aspects of it, the pit mastership of, you know, feeding the logs and everything, that's not cut out for everybody. And I think a gas grill that is thermostatically controlled now, one thing I've seen about the charboil is it does not look like it can be set up in two zones, which is a pet peeve of mine, and I think it's essential. I don't know about the Weber. We'll see if the Weber is, in fact, thermostatic-driven. But um, I think this is going to be a sea change. It's going to make um, uh, outdoor grilling a lot more popular, particularly uh, among people who are experienced at indoor cooking and, you know, women in particular. Um, I think this could make a, 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 a huge difference in the marketplace if they're not too expensive. They shouldn't be. These these thermostats shouldn't be that expensive. A charbroil grill is probably not going to be more than 600 bucks anyway. They're not known for really grabbing the upper echelon of the pocketbook. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's uh, springtime-ish on the release, uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that, but we'll see how it goes. This is Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, and you find him, yes? 
Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I know that I'm doing just a 30-minute gig, right, today? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and the next 30 minutes is my friend Robert Moss. Yes. Did you know Robert is now um, contributing to AmazingRibs.com? Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's been writing a few things for us. Uh, in fact, he came on board about two months ago, and uh, he's done a consulting gig with us and uh, helped us with editing. And uh, he's uh, written some articles for us, and we're looking forward to him doing more. All right. Well, he's up next, so we'll see what he's up to. In the meantime, he's, visit Amazing he's Ribs. brilliant. He is brilliant. He's, he's very he's good. He's brilliant. AmazingRibs.com is Meathead's website. Go check it out. Uh, go get your recipe for glug as he uh, continues to suck that back here through the interview. It's great. It's warming. Orange peel. You say orange peel or lemon peel? Uh, it's got it's got orange. It's it's got all kinds of good stuff in it. Mm. Cinnamon, clove, almonds, um, orange peel. Often you garnish it with. It's just it's just wonderful. All right, try it out, and then in the meantime, go to amazingribs.com, and we'll see Meathead in February. Meathead, always appreciate the time. Ah, it's always good to visit with you and the Centralites. Happy New Year, everyone. There he is, Meathead. AmazingRibs.com, of course. So head on over there for more cold weather tips if you would like them. Or the recipe for glug. Especially delicious on the cold winter nights like tonight. Hey, what do we, speaking of ceramic cookers... They're your friend in cold weather. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that they retain heat. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We also love that they can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling like steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic lineup? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is a very important thing for both professionals and backyard cooks. The best way to manage a fire, cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker, not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill and their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well, like that heat retention. Really, when you break it down, this Primo can be configured 60 different ways, so you're only limited by your culinary imagination on how you want to set it up. Now, here are the things that we know that happened last year as far as improvements and accessories. The lift hinge has been revamped. You have the top and bottom air dampers being revamped, added to the accessory portfolio, things like the Primo grill rotisserie, the pizza grill accessory, the half drip pan, also that rib rack to fit the same shape, the oval design that the Primo is. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz, yes. Patented technology, yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities in multiple sizes, yes. And yes, by the way, if you just have to have a round one, they have those as well. But really, consider the oval for pizza. Be a game changer in the neighborhood. Visit PrimoGrill.com to find a dealer near you, only sold through dealers. That's PrimoGrill.com. Or follow them on Facebook and Instagram. PrimoGrill.com. We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. 
Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can see there are other products that they're offering as well. CB and the gang out there in Wisconsin making great pellets. And we thank them for their continued sponsorship of the show here as we move into 2022. My next guest is the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, friend of this show, and a new monthly recurring guest. 35 past the first hour, we welcome back Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. Hey, Greg. How's it going? I am absolutely spectacular. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening. Also, we thank you for becoming our newest recurring monthly guest here on oh, the yeah. second Tuesday. So we have a forward to. we have a meathead load, and then we're gonna have uh, Robert <laughs> Moss backing him up. So uh, to me, that's a great first hour, any way you uh, put it. So happy to have you aboard here on the show. Number of different things to talk about here. Let me ask you as a follow up to the way Meathead and I left his segment. As you look at cookers, we have long talked about how come there isn't a thermostatically controlled gas grill. You see it in the Pellet cookers, of course, you can pick any temperature within five degrees and magically it stays there. A little bit of a curve, of course, but you can set the temperature and that seems to be a lot of appeal to folks. And finally, on Charbroil's agenda, they're going to be releasing something called the Cruise. It is a thermostatically controlled gas grill. I'm anticipating Weber might be also introducing one a week from tonight on the 18th as they've been leading up to some big release slash promotion. Uh, next Tuesday. So assuming there's, well, there's definitely going to be one, but let's say there's two thermostatically controlled grills. Do you think that this is a, as uh, Meathead put it, a sea change or a watershed moment within the grilling industry in 2022 going forward? I, I think it's an interesting moment. I don't know if I would go quite as far as calling it a sea change. Um, and now I'll, I'll admit my bias, which is I don't really cook with gas grills or, or a lot of the high tech, you know, Bluetooth, Wi Fi enabled stuff. So I, I tend to be more shoveling wood and coal kind of kind of person. So, so that's my bias coming into it. I think it's interesting, though, like all the rest of the technology. I don't know that it's a sea change in the sense that it's going to bring a whole lot of new people into the, the backyard grilling. I'm not sure that's what's standing between you know, people grilling right now is I can't figure out how to control the temperature on my gas grill. I do think it sounds like a great feature that, that, you know, somebody who's already much into grilling will, will, will indeed like. And I, I agree that, you know, you could, you could set and set and forget with a, with a pellet grill. It seems like doing that with a gas grill is a, a good innovation. So do you, do I think th it's an interesting innovation. I don't know if it's a major, you know, sea changer. Do you think it, the, the sea change might be more of people going away from just the standard knob dials and deciding to, by the next grill that's thermostatically controlled then? Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think it's sort of like, you know, just it's just the next evolution in, in the grill. And why would you go backwards to to not being able to, to do that? The one thing I did think about it, you know, is that, you know, you, you, it depends on what you're doing. I guess if you're going to use your gas grill more like an oven for, for roasting or baking, then that gives you that, that kind of precise temperature, which was hard to do. It's hard to do with a high, medium, low. I'm not sure how much it changes your grilling because I think you, typically you're going to just get a fire up or down. Uh, like your, your stove doesn't really have a, you, you don't set your stove to 500 degrees or anything. You just want sort to of turn it to high and go. Um, but no, I think, it, I think it's definitely will, will be a step up and probably it will be like, like everything else. It's going to become a table stakes that you have to have as a grill manufacturer to have, you know, at least one of the nicer, nicer grills out there. You'll need that. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, robertfmoss.com, his website, also the author of the Q sheet, which comes out 
how often are you sending that out? A couple times a month? Yeah, I'm trying to do it two times a month now. I, I had done it once. I was doing it weekly at one point back during the COVID days, but I wasn't doing anything else. So I had lots of time just to uh, to work on it. And then uh, once all the festival scene kicked back up and suddenly I had stuff to do in the weekends, uh, I had to dial that back. So I'm doing it about twice a month now. So let's recap that as you kind of stepped on it, whether you knowingly did that or not. Yep. The Holy Smokes <laughs> Low Country Barbecue Festival was held November 13th in Charleston. We had talked about it a couple weeks ago or a couple weeks in advance of that actually taking place. So love a recap and see how it actually came off. Yeah, that's, uh, I feel very fortunate and, and I was proud to be a part of it. It turned off, it, it, it came out really, really great. We thought it was going to be good and it tur- turned out to be even better than, than we thought. Part of it was, um, we got really lucky on the weather. It was just an absolutely gorgeous like day in the mid sixties. Uh, and we were at this beautiful outdoor venue called the bend, which is looks out over the Ashley river in Charleston. So it's beautiful low country marsh landscape. And it, you couldn't have asked for a better setting or, or a better, better weather. So that, that all helped. It had been raining and cold. It would not have been nearly as much fun, but then we had you know, two dozen pit masters from all over. Um, we had over 3,000 3, tickets sold. So we sold out and then we had close to 4,000 total attendees all, all in with all the cooks and the guests and everybody else. Um, so, so that, that went off really well. And, you know, we were worried about, about it with COVID and everything else, but as it turned out, you know, that turned out not to be a big issue and it was a really a great weekend. And so we're, um, the whole team behind it was, you know, I think very pleased with it. And we're going to be trying to do it again next year around the same time. So November of 2022, if all goes well. When you started doing a breakdown slash postmortem of the event to figure out what you might be able to do better, what did you learn that you would apply to next year? Yeah, well, you always learn something. I think the the biggest thing we learned was I think about um, layout, uh, how we laid out the the venue and 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 how we laid out the all the uh, pitmaster villages as we called them. We did something a little bit different than your typical barbecue event. Typical barbecue event, each pitmaster gets their own little booth or station, and you sort of go around to each one and and get served. In this case, we're actually doing very collaborative. So we had all the pitmasters had about eight or ten at each, you know teamed up in each village and we had some long lines that, that developed and mm. it's more just the, 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 uh, the dynamics. What we didn't quite take into account was that everybody would get there and immediately get in line and just eat and eat and eat right, right out of the gate. And so you sort of had this rush all, all at once. But um, even though we heard good feedback that it, it wasn't that long of a wait because the lines did move very quickly, but I think we'll space things out a little bit differently and maybe split it up into some different villages, a little bit different, different layout next time. But apart from that, that was the big, the, the big thing. Um, and, it, and again, it, it, it turned out fine. That's more just as an organizer. You sort of, you know, things you want to tweak and do a little bit better next time. What do you think festivals are going to look like this year, given the Omicron variant and, uh, you know, not yeah. being as severe, but it seems to be sweeping the nation I'm not going to get into a whole political thing here, but uh, as somebody that puts on these things, what are your concerns and what are you looking at? Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful uh, that it won't look too much different. You know, 2020, everybody, you know, first postponed it. Everybody was going to postpone from the spring of 2020 to the fall of 2020 and then thinking everything would be gone. Of course, it wasn't gone. So a lot of events ended up getting canceled altogether. And they just said, we'll try again in 2021. But most everything came off in 2021. And, and one of the things that the barbecue festivals have proven is that, hey, they're outdoors. It's actually one of the better uh, kind. If you want to get a bunch of people together, it's much better doing a giant outdoor venue than to like cram everybody into a a concert inside a auditorium or something like that. So I think that, you know, 
assuming it's not too dangerous for just people to get together in general, that's a, that is a format that is better suited to a lot of other forms of gathering. So we'll see. My hope is that, you know, some of the predictions are right. We'll burn through this pretty quickly. There's not a lot going on festival wise in January, February, March. Anyway, yeah. usually it kicks up in, in the, you know, in May timeframe when it starts to get warm. So hopefully by then knock on wood, we'll be in a much better position and, and the festivals will be able to, to come off as, you know, like they did in 2021 right. and, you know, 2021, everybody, everybody was a little more distant. Everybody, you know, had, you know, checks and stuff like that. So I think you'll have some, a lot of safety things, but hopefully we'll be able to have them. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, robertfmoss.com, his website. Let's do a quick recap of 2021 as we kind of were just uh, talking about that. People can, uh, by the way, subscribe to the newsletter to get the full rundown um or they can just go back to your archives and see you did kind of a whole post-mortem of 2021 uh the way you saw it so let's get a, a quick rundown of how you look back at it maybe the top two or three things the biggest things that happened in the live fire industry yeah um well one of the, the big things of course is traeger and weber went public so that was a uh, you know a lot of money sort of f- it flowed into the barbecue industry in a lot of different areas so one of them is the backyard, you know, grilling en- enthusiast market that was really, you know, on fire. Literally from a sales perspective, uh, the the companies did very very well, and then they you know decided it was a good good time to go public. But I think you're seeing a lot of private equity money that got poured into that market, a market that was often a niche in the past. I think the same thing's happening in barbecue restaurants. You've, you you see a lot of um, uh, in, in 2021. I, I read a lot about uh, what the the trend of new barbecue restaurants. Uh, are usually second locations of existing barbecue restaurants opening inside of mixed-use developments. So there are a lot of developers are out there who are taking old warehouses and you know, old 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 kind of you know industrial type places and converting them into these mixed-use places that are apartments and offices and retail space and restaurants. And they're actually going out and actively rec- recruiting a lot of successful barbecue restaurateurs to come open a- another location in their in their development because it's a, a large draw. For people, and so you know, there, there, you have a lot of well-funded or better-funded, I should say. It's not mom and pops operating a shoestring like it used to be. So I think you know, we saw a lot of that in 2021, and probably will just continue to grow in 2022. Let's go ahead as you talk about 2022 and do a little yeah. prognostication. Everybody loves to do that as the year closes and the new year opens. Things that you think might be trending this year, or things that are on your list that maybe aren't nobody else is talking about, but you're secretly thinking that this might be something that's going to pop off that you can look back at the end of the year and go on. Yeah. I called that one back in January. Uh, horse meat for sure. I think, you know, with the price of price of beef going up, uh, 2022 could be the year of horse. I don't know if you need a reference material (laughs) on how to uh, process, cook and buy horse meat, but I have the one written here by your friend and mine, Leon Kenny who, of course, was in the uh, newspaper. He was a newspaper man uh, back in the 50s when this book, was book when this thing was written. Uh, almost 17 pages, uh, if you could call them pages. And uh, we almost got through it last year. But it's it's quite interesting. I should scan you the whole thing so you can take a read. Yeah, like, when he says process, how big does he start off? Does he start with, like, one horse? Is that the, the, the yeah. entry size? Or is it? Yeah, yeah. he's talking about all the, the cuts. entire horse and, yeah, and the, go from there. The horse, the cuts that come out of the horse, then how you would... Well, I mean, the beginning of the book talks about all of the myths and concerns and things that are true, things that aren't true. And then the backside of the book is more uh, with this cut, you would want to attack cooking it this way. And with this cut, you would want to attack cooking it this way. And again, 
there's a lot of sexist things going on in here. Uh, it's a lot of women cooking and while the men are at work kind of thing. So it's a little dated in that regard, but it's, it's quite interesting. If you've ever had the fascination like I have to chase that rabbit hole uh, or go down that rabbit hole, uh, it's worth the read. I mean, it would probably take you about six seconds to read because it's, yeah. you know, 16 and a half of those size pages. Well, you want to keep it short so you, you don't lose your audience. I, I don't know that 2022 is, 2022 is actually going to be year, the year of Horace, maybe 2023. I do think, though, you're going to see a lot more unusual meats and unusual preparations of barbecue uh, hmm. on the scene. Um, it, it was already happening in 2021. I think you know the fusion of barbecue has been been huge. Um, what I thought was interesting when, when Daniel Vaughn did his top 25 or top, I guess, top 50 for, uh, yeah. barbecue joints in Texas for Texas Monthly. He did this whole thing about how it, it's no longer amazing to f- or unusual to find amazing brisket in Texas. It's just sort of table stakes. And I think that's what you're starting to see in barbecue is that, yeah, everyone does brisket. Everyone does ribs. Everybody, you know, you have to do something to, to set yourself out from the crowd. So I've been, you know, seeing a lot of it starting to appear. I see Pitmaster is definitely interested in doing a lot more, um, you know, just less common meats. We, we see a lot of lamb these days, which you used to not see. Uh, I think we talked about lamb a, good, oh, yeah. uh, a while back on, on this, on the show. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see goat and things of that nature really start to, to come in. Um, there's been a lot of like Siberia uh, tacos, which are really usually made of beef now, but were originally goat. So I have a feeling that, you know, as that kind of stuff gets popular, you're going to see people digging back and saying, oh, okay, well, you make it with beef, but I'll do it the old school way and use goat. So maybe not horse, but I bet you'll you'll get some, get some goat on the menu. So uh, come up in 2022, probably things like mutton as well, uh, which fell out of favor, but is, you know, still a traditional cut, especially up in, in Kentucky. So that's what I'd look for. You have a new book coming out February 15th. Uh, while it's not technically a barbecue book, I think there are some crossroads of barbecue that uh, mix into that. Tell us a little bit about. It. Yeah, for sure. It's it's actually barbecue led me to the topic, and the topic is it's called the Lost Southern Chefs, and it's a history of commercial dining in the South. And so, by commercial dining, I mean anything where you'd pay money to eat. Uh, so it could be a, you know restaurants, it could be saloons, it could be a hotel, you know. Uh, ballrooms and banquets. There's a lot of catering in the 19th century as a restaurant restaurants evolved. And I sort of got into it by uh, digging into a couple of uh, barbecue cooks from uh, Augusta who were noted for like, you know, cooking at these huge outdoor events. And um, that got me into sort of their background. And one of them ended up being a restaurant cook. Um, I, a lot of the caterers, and these are guys who are making like these giant banquets for like, you know, militia units and giant organizations, you know, hundreds of people of attendance. So very fancy, fine dining, but they also cook barbecue. And they, so there's a guy named Tom Griffin and was, was the, the leading caterer in, in Richmond, Virginia before the civil war. He actually had a whole, he had a, a, a saloon in downtown Richmond. And then he had like this whole, uh, sort of place on the river outside of Richmond where you'd host all these, these you know, militia companies for outdoor barbecues and things, things like that. So he could b- do both. Uh, you, he could cook you a pig and then he could turn around and go cook, you know, a, a bunch of oysters and duck and fine, fine dining uh, you know, downtown the next day. So that, that dug me into that whole, that whole, whole world. And not a lot of people have written, written about 19th century restaurants, particularly in the South. And uh, so I turned up a whole lot of stuff and, you know, barbecue led me to a, a whole new topic. So I'm looking forward to that one coming out uh, in, in mid-February. It's coming to be here before I know it. It seemed like it took forever to write the thing and get it out the door. And now it's almost here. How long did it take? 
Um, it was we are, it's, it's a university press book, so it's an academic book, um, and those wheels move slow. So it probably took me about a year and a half to write the thing um, <laughs> with the research and everything, and then probably three years to go through the publication process. COVID hold it, held it up a good bit, and then when you do a academic book, it has to get reviewed. It goes through eighteen layers of, of everything, so it just takes takes a long time. So yeah, it, it took me. A uh, lot less time to write it than it did to get to the publication. Well, so you're—I mean—you could be pushing five years by the time this thing gets out. Or yeah, that's that's about right. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's what typical. You, you, it's usually it, that's a little bit slower than normal. That one got held up, but it's usually at least a year turnaround time from the time you submit the final manuscript until the book comes out. You're gonna have to wait. What they're doing? Are you in the, the process house. of writing the revision book already? <laughs> Yeah, I'm more just yeah, go make it, that get that going yeah. you know, in real time as as we get through it. So at least it's you know, nice thing about right about nineteenth century is it's not really going to be out of date by the time the book comes out because the nineteenth century isn't really going to change. No doubt. Uh, Robert F Moss is the website dot com. Robert F Moss dot com the website. Be sure to check that out, and you will see him on the second Tuesday of every month in the thirty five past the first hour segment. Robert, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks. There he is, Robert Moss, right there. Dr. Robert Moss, if you are being formal. And be sure to look for that new book coming out February 15th. So we're just a little over a month. You can go to robertfmoss.com and check out the Rediscovering the Lost Southern Chefs. All right, happy to have him aboard in a recurring role. Lots of great topics that we pounded through there. All great takes. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. The Prime line features the Peak and the Ledge. Now the portable one is the Trek. So if you want to take it to a pro football playoff game, and those are quickly dwindling. College football season is over as of yesterday. I didn't even know the college football national championship was on. Missed it. Sorry. Uh, The Peak and the Ledge are your options for the backyard. If you would like to save a couple bucks, the Choice Line is the one you want to take a look at. You have a Davy Daniel Boone size, if you're familiar with that. All these grills, except the Trek, but all these grills do accommodate the pizza of an insert. Sold through dealers only, so go to GreenMountainGrill.com, locate a dealer near you, and then visit that dealer, get educated, pick the one that is best for you. Take it home, and you are going to have success right off the bat because they told you everything you need to know about it. GreenMountainGrill.com. That's GreenMountainGrill.com. And we'll be back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And this portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, you're in luck. Fireboard integrated with most of them. Find out by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro, and the Fireboard Spark. And 
We thank Robert Boss for joining us just this past segment, and we thank Meathead after that, although there appears to be some controversy rolling through the Facebook chat. I'll have to talk with Meathead offline. Nevertheless, great first hour. We have a great second hour planned for you. If you would like to jump in, I'm happy to have you on Clubhouse. We'll get to some other things as well at the top. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. 